Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we're talking to Ian Flynn, who, if you've read an Archie comic in the past year or Sonic the Hedgehog at all in the past decade, you've definitely seen his work. Ian is co-writing the main Archie title with Mark Wade, and on April 4th we'll launch a new volume of Sonic for IDW, a character whose adventures Ian has penned in various media since 2006. We'll talk about those books, his podcast, The Bumblecast, and his many other projects, and how he finds time to work on them all. While we're talking about Archie, our Arch Madness tournament over at WMQComics.com has almost solidified its final four. Hopefully your bracket hasn't busted yet. So far, Classic Archie, Werewolf Hunter Betty from Jughead the Hunger, and Sabrina from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina have made it. And on Monday, voting will determine whether the final entrant is Vampironica, that's the vampire version of Veronica, or Miss Vanity, Veronica's superhero alter ego with a powerful sonic scream, will move on. Winners are determined via Twitter poll each weekday at WMQ Comics, so feel free to follow along. Also fresh on the site, we've got the new trailer for Avengers Infinity War and an extended review of Mr. Miracle No. 7, one of the best issues of the series so far. So check all that out at WMQComics.com. Now here's me and Ian. Uh, my guest this week is a busy man. He's currently co-writing Archie and writing Archie's Cosmo and the Mighty Crusaders. He's got a new volume of Sonic the Hedgehog coming out in April for IDW. He's got a backup strip coming in May, Superman Special Number 1. And he'll be writing a two-part Archie Super Teens vs. Crusaders mini this summer, also for Archie. Uh, please welcome Ian Flynn. Did, did I get everything there, Ian? Everything except for the ARMS graphic novel series and free comic book day coming from Dark Horse Comics this year. Boom. All right. Well, all right. No, no, nothing from Boom Studios, but yes. Okay, there, we got everything. <laughs> um, so uh, you just uh, did, I think the last issues uh, either coming out or just come out, uh, uh, Mighty Crusaders for Archie. And uh, next you're teaming them up with Archie Super Teens, which uh, you know, at, uh, at our site, we just launched this program called Arch Madness, where we pit different versions of Archie and company against each other. Uh, via Twitter poll, obviously not actual combat, but it's it's kind of a fun way to <laughs> both would be <Yeah>. entertaining. <laughs> True, uh, but uh, it's kind of a fun way to celebrate the Archie multiverse, uh, so to speak. Which you know people don't talk about in the same terms as you know Marvel or or, or DC's sort of you know many many uh, realities. But you know you have superhero Archie and werewolf Jughead and biker Betty and and you know regular old jerkhead Reggie Mantle, who's a you know a jerk in every reality. Um, do you have a particular favorite version of those characters that, that you'd like to play with at this point? Oh, shoot. Because there's also, you know, the two different alternate realities of adult Archie. There's right. um, the weird mystery side of things. There's Jughead's Time Police. There's just a ridiculous number of alternate reality Archies out there that folks don't seem to know about. And it does some fun stuff. Um if I had to pick, I guess I would lean a little towards the super teens just because that's a little more my wavelength. It's they're they're fun superheroes in that kind of goofy sort of way. Absolutely. Um, getting back to the Crusaders in 2012, uh, you led a project to revive the Red Circle heroes after they'd bounced around a bit at DC and kind of got to reshape their canon. What would you say is the elevator pitch for for the Crusaders for somebody who's reading, say, you know, Marvel or DC or Valiant? What what kind of sets them apart? It's the, uh, let's see, the best way I guess I would pitch it is that the Mighty Crusaders or the New Crusaders, whichever incarnation you want to pick up, 
mm-hmm. are superheroes for the superhero fan. You know, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it also avoids a lot of the trappings that the other super books have fallen into over the years. You know, if you want to pick up any one of the big names, it's a little daunting because it's like, which one of the multiple monthly titles do I need to read first? And when do I jump over to the next title? And which continuity am I following? Which reboot from which year? And with Mighty Crusaders and even New Crusaders, it's here you go. Read. Just pick it up, <laughs> jump in, and enjoy some superheroes. Because it's a fun genre. Nice and easy. That's always good. Um, you're also co-writing the main Archie title with Mark Wade now, and you did two issues of Jughead with him before that. Uh, when you guys write together, what, what's the dynamic like? Are, are you more partners? Is there like a mentor-mentee relationship? You know, has he given you advice that's, that's informed your own writing? It's kind of a tag team sort of thing. Uh, with both cases, it was Mark who came up with the general storyline, and then I did the refinement of the uh, breakdowns for it, how we would approach the story. And then I took first pass at the script. He did a second pass at the script. He handed it back to me for any final tweaks. I passed it back to him. We just kind of volleyballed it back and forth. And we emerged with the WWE belt. And we emerged with a good book, <laughs> good story. But yeah, it's been very um, inclusive and kind of hands-off in a way. But we're also very much connected in how it's done. It's kind of weird how to describe it. I guess it's more, it boils down to we've both respected each other as uh, comic book writers and creatives and given each other ample room to do our own thing while collaborating on it. It's been a very easy, very nice project to work on. That's good. That's great to hear. Um, another, one of the things that you've got coming out, uh, obviously is the, uh, the Sonic relaunch at IDW. Uh, now you've been with Sonic since the license was at Archie, uh, for like a decade now and, and written for the video games and the cartoon series. Uh, you know, when you've worked on a licensed property like that for so long, you know, obviously, you know, these char- characters belong to Sega more than anybody else, but do the, the corporate interests that control them begin to slacken a little? Like maybe they're looking over your shoulder a little bit less, you know, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Let's let him have fun. Uh, With each incarnation of Sonic, it's a completely different game, so to speak. Okay. So, you know, entering into writing for Sonic Boom, my pedigree with the comics didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And my work with the comics with Archie was mostly to get IDWs attention i suppose they knew that i could handle the property but as far as the licensor was concerned it's a new project it's a new team Mm -hmm. so we're back to square one there all that being said it's nothing really restrictive i would say i mean they obviously have their rules and their guidelines to follow because it's their property they want it to look like what they want it to look like obviously But in terms of creative freedom, whether it was the old run or the run before that or the IDW run, I've had an incredible amount of creative freedom. That's fantastic. Do they give you uh, Bibles to work with for each version? Because obviously, you know, Sonic Boom is different from Sonic Underground is different from, you know, almost every version of the Sonic cartoon has been has been kind of wildly different, not wildly different, you know, the same characters, but just sort of the setup's been I would say, no, I think you're right. They can be wildly different. I mean, if you were to take Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and compare it to 
Underground or Sat AM or Sonic X or Sonic Boom. They're completely different animals. Compare that to the games across the years at certain eras, compared to the various comics on various continents. It's, you know, each incarnation of Sonic is unique in its own way. Yeah, it's all Sonic at the core, but they're very different interpretations of each. Um, I did receive some very lovely guidance on the comic side of things, especially when IDW picked up. But I have and always will be a giant Sonic Turbo nerd. So <laughs> I didn't really need a lot of documentation. I kind of went in already knowing everything they were going to tell me for the most part. And uh, that's probably why I've been at this for so long is I know my Sonic. I'm good at my Sonic. And that's about the extent of my abilities at this point. Please don't test me further. Please just <laughs> let me write Sonic for the rest of my life. It's comfy uh, here. Do you, do you have a childhood spent playing Sega Genesis? You can look back on and say, "Well, that paid off." Oh yeah, the Genesis was the home console. Sonic Two was our first game, and a great deal of time and money has been sunk into the Little Blue Hedgehog on my part. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, your portfolio obviously is is you know almost exclusively all ages comics between Sonic, Cosmo, Archie, Mega Man. Um, do you secretly have a mature audiences like an image series kind of rattling around in the back of your head? <laughs> I, the amount of projects that I want to do and are on the back burner would burn down a house. But uh, yeah, there's, I would love to do more. I hate to say adult material because to me, mm -hmm. the story content is what defines whether it is an adult story or not. You know, you can have all the blood, sex and violence that you want, but that doesn't necessarily make it a mature story. It just means it's graphic. Whereas mm -hmm. you can have plenty of children's stories out there that are really howling. How, hmm, how, hmm. Harrowing? Thank yeah. you. I can't <laughs> pronounce that word today. Uh, when you really get down into it, uh, one of the things that folks kept coming back to me with Mega Man was their appreciation of how serious I approached the material. Because when you look at it at the surface, you know, little blue robot boy, run right, shoot robots, yay, move on. Everyone's got big googly eyes. But when you get into the full mythos, when you really examine who the characters are and what comes after them, there's some pretty heavy stuff in there. You're dealing with consciousness within artificial beings. You have where their role is in society. You have Mega Man starting off at pretty much the turn of an era where you have thinking robots and how that's going to set the foundation for the next generation when they become truly sapient, sentient individuals. And doing all that while maintaining that kind of light and colorful uh, aesthetic could be a bit of a tricky balancing act, but I seem to have done it, and folks seem to have enjoyed it, so I'm glad that's there. Uh, is that a character you, you might get to uh, return to at some point, you think? I certainly hope so. Uh, the Mega Man series was extremely well received overall. Uh, I, we had a great relationship with Capcom in the past. So whether it's with somebody else or a new thing, who knows? I don't get to make those decisions. I am the sure. lowly writer. Absolutely. Um, were you involved in any of the Sonic uh, Mega Man team up stuff? Oh, I wrote the whole thing. Oh, fantastic. That That's one of my favorite stories because... Uh, Capcom came to us saying, you know, you've done so well with the Sonic series, we would like you to represent Mega Man into a Mega Man comic. 
So we dove into that. We had great success. And a little ways down the line, it was Capcom who approached Archie and said, you have both licenses. Would you like to do a crossover? So we went to Sega and said, can we go play in their yard for a little bit, please? (laughs) Pretty please. And Sega was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And that's how the crossover happened. That's uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of layers of uh, that can be a lot of layers of oversight, you know, depending on how, you know, between yeah, Capcom was, and Sega. And, I was a little worried that you know not only is it the two licenses, but the two licensors wanting to make sure that you know each property is represented equally without mm-hmm. you know one eclipsing the other. Because I've heard horror stories of other crossover type movies, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right there is just all that went into getting these Warner brothers and Disney characters into the same film was Herculean in its efforts, like entire boardrooms of men in suits arguing over the number of words in the dialogue between Mickey and Bugs Bunny. To make yeah. Sure second, they- seconds of screen time. Exactly. But with Sonic and Mega Man, it was a breeze. I think part of it was because my mindset going in, I knew what to look out for and, I wanted both characters to shine. I wanted both universes to be appealing. But at the same time, Capcom and Sarah were really, really cool about the whole thing. So it was pretty much a walk in the park. That's awesome. It's always nice when it works out that way. Yeah. Um, now, uh, yeah, Superman. You got a big Superman. Uh, you got a Superman backup story coming out in uh, May in one of the big uh, specials. DC is going bananas on Superman for obvious reasons uh, this this year. Um, how does it feel to have a piece of the man of steel and get to play in that sandbox? Uh, terrifying. <laughs> terrifying is a word for it. Just because Superman is such an iconic figure and everybody out there has their interpretation of how a Superman story should be, how the character should be uh, addressed, the themes that should be handled and how they should be handled. So even though it's a small story in a larger special collection, it's still like, jumping out of one big pool into an even bigger pool. It's, it's a little daunting, but uh, I knew the editor, Paul Kaminsky from our days back on Sonic. So that was nice and familiar. He was my lifeguard and we put together a fun little story. That's great. Uh, Without obviously, you know, giving, giving me the plot, you know, talking about how everybody has their, their own idea of Superman. You know, what, what is your kind of personal idea of, of uh, the man of steel? Um, I feel like he works best as an iconic individual. Uh, I have a hard time seeing him as the front runner. I've always, in any story that involves Superman, I always feel like he's the most engaging and the most powerful when he is a contributor to the story and not necessarily the central driving force. He's, he's such an element of nature by himself I feel like it's more interesting to see how he affects the lives of others and how others try to affect him and how that all boils out in the end. The story that I did, I guess you could say one of the central focuses is, you know, what a good and uplifting person he is, but how that can be construed in negative ways. So it's my first, yeah, it's, it's one of my first outings with Superman. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of just testing the waters here. I'm doing a lot of water imagery in this interview. Uh, 
just kind of getting a feel for it. And if there was, you know, more time, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Knowing Michael Bendis's Brian Michael Bendis's work ethic, I don't think anyone will ever get a chance to write on Superman for a few years because he just kind of churns out books. But eh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, what What do you read personally? What uh, What comics are you are you reading? Uh, what's on your pull list there? I am woefully behind, really, because I'm trying to keep on top of all my deadlines and get some of my original projects up and find time to actually sleep and eat. Sure. So what I would love to get back on is I need to catch up on my Ninja Turtles Mm -hmm. because I actually have a couple of issues coming out for the sister book, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe. Oh, nice. Uh, First issue came out last month. I think the latest issue is coming out very soon. Um, I want to get back on the Power Rangers book that's been going on because that's been a load of fun. Love what they've been doing with that. Uh, the Superman books are about to get their uh, change in tone and direction, whatever it is that Bendis has it planned, so that'd be a great jumping on point. There's comics that are being done by friends of mine, their own original creations that I need to catch up on, and just there's a stack of actual books sitting on my table that I've, you know, used to collect dust with. It's it's becoming very, very artistic at this point. <laughs> The the shape of the stack or, or the arrangement of the dust on the stack? <laughs> yes, to both. And <laughs> if we sit back and we actually contemplate the way that the light plays through each individual note, we can see that Ian has exactly zero free time. Mm, yes. Uh, you mentioned a uh, story in uh, TMNT Universe. Uh, what, uh, what kind of area of the, the turtle mythos are you focusing on? Uh, that story focuses on Raphael and... Thank you. Alapex. There we go. Raphael and Alapex. And uh, they start investigating more of the Null industry subplot that has been slowly percolating within that title. Okay. Um, you mentioned, obviously, you know, having a lot to do, not being able to get to the repile. Uh, you know, this is something I like to ask creators, especially when they've got a lot of irons in the fire, as you do between, you know, comics and also writing for, for video games and, and, and TV uh, independent projects, your own podcast, uh, you know, Bumble King. Uh, what is your workflow like? How do you meet out what you're working on when? Do you have an organized uh, schedule or, or <laughs> you're organized funny. chaos? <laughs> I, it's feast or famine because I'll either have everything on my plate or I'll have nothing. And when I have everything on my plate, it's a matter of which deadline is due first and what can I get done fastest And whenever there's any downtime, I need to focus on finding new work. So there really isn't any downtime. It's either completing projects, looking for new projects. It's an endless loop. Um, Do you work yourself into the, into the con circuit at all? Uh, I try to, whenever there's a show that will invite me in, but I'm not really in a position to con hop, unfortunately, which is too bad because it's a lot of fun. Uh, You're, you're uh, Toronto based, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Will you be going to TCAF then? No, unfortunately. Um, Not in part because I don't have any of my own projects out just yet. And I feel like the spirit of TCAF is more the original indie scene and not so much the mainstream. I know that there are folks who go who do that, but I don't feel like that's, you know, what the spirit of the show is meant to be. Sure. I could be wrong, but 
that and just getting in the door there is insane. So I'll, I'll hang back. I'll let the indie scene do their thing. And maybe one day when I have something of my own to show, I'll try to get in there. That makes sense. Uh, you do have your own independent projects that you've been working on, though, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, the one that we tried to push the most in the forefront right now is called Academics Space Crew. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a educational-based comic book series, which is to say that the stories revolve around key STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, mm -hmm. without being that spoon-fed, here's the lesson, boys and girls, problem that people absolutely hate <laughs> and no kid in the world actually learns from. Uh, you are, it's set in space. The crew goes on adventures. They, you know, as you read, you can't help but learn something because of the way that the story is constructed. And the key feature of it is that you will be able to customize the main character. So it can look the way you want them to, uh, face shape, skin tone, uh, armor color, all within reason, of course, because if we had every single variation out there, it'd never get done. But, um, we're going to have a number of options out there. We're going to hope to launch this by the end of the year. The other one I'm working on is a science fantasy series called Drogoon that I'm slowly putting together. And that too, I hope we might be able to launch by the end of the year. That's awesome. Uh, another part of, of what you do is English translate, English language translations of media. Uh, is there, is there something that stands out as sort of maybe uh, either the oddest or sort of most difficult project that you've had to translate for a client? Uh, no one project stands out. It's more of the individual moments within them because these, with the project I have worked on, I've been handed the raw translation. Mm -hmm. So it's in English, but it's not formatted or decoded in any way. Sure. So sometimes it's like, okay, I know what they're trying to say. I get where they're going with this. We'll just tinker it a little bit. So it sounds a little more natural in English. And there have been a few times I've come across the translation. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? This makes, no, this is word salad. This makes no sense. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes that's, you know, the native language throwing out a common saying in their culture that just does not translate into English. And sometimes it's just the particular word choices don't really come through clearly. And in those cases, I've got to kind of do a little bit of detective work, uh, sometimes I have the original language that I can toss into like Google translate and try to get a variation on and figure out what they're going with. And other times it's like, I, I think I get the spirit of what's being said. We're just going to rewrite that and hope that it works <laughs> to, to avoid that. All your base are belong to us moment. Exactly. Well, I think, uh, you know, as we're wrapping up here, let's, let's, you know, go ahead and uh, circle back to, to Archie for a minute because you are sort of, it kind of feels like you're writing about half their output right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking at the Archie, uh, you know, being on part of the team on the, on the main Archie title, uh, you know, uh, are, are you, are you enjoying that? Are you looking at it as, as, you know, a, a long-term project? Uh, that all depends on if the folks over at Archie enjoy what I've done with Mark. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark might have a, clearer vision of what he wants to do after this current run mm -hmm. and take it all for himself. Maybe they're going to move on to another writer. Maybe they'll offer it to me. I don't know. It's a little early in the game, but 
I found that the new take on Archie is an interesting universe to delve into. Uh, it's very foreign to me, what with talking people <laughs> and not robots and animals. It's so strange. So it's taken a little bit of getting used to, but I think I've kind of found my comfort zone in Riverdale. So if they have room for me, I am always willing to come back. It's it's really, it's carved out this great niche since the beginning where it's it's very much still a, a teen comedy like the old stuff, but it's also got more of a, you know, soapy serialized hook to it without being obviously, you know, Riverdale, the TV show. Right, right. Nobody's getting cooked in hot tubs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been, I've been enjoying it uh, very much, very much so. so. Um, Mark's been doing an excellent job with the series. Uh, well, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show, uh, letting us talk about Archie for a little bit and uh, everything else. Uh, how can people find you online if you, in fact, wish to be found? <laughs> oh, I'm right out there. You can find my con schedule, my entire body of work, news, all that jazz over at BumbleKing.com. That's Bumble like the bee, King like the reigning monarch, or just Google Ian Flynn. You'll find it easy enough. Or you can find me at Twitter at Ian Flynn BKC. That usually has updates over on my podcast, The Bumblecast, which you can find at Patreon.com backslash Bumblecast. All right, great. Ian Flynn, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's show. Want more? WMQ&A is now available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and new episodes go up Mondays at 9 a.m. Feel free to rate and review us on those platforms. Also, don't forget to vote in our daily Arch Madness polls on our Twitter page, at WMQ Comics. And for more comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, check out WMQComics.com and the WMQ Comics Facebook and Twitter pages. Bye for now.